2020 is here and the players are getting tired. Welcome back, listeners, to the 157th episode of the EPL Surgery Podcast, recording on the 6th of January 2020. That's right, we are now into 2020, and with there being four games in, what is it, 10 days, I think, we are seeing an influx of injuries at the moment. I know many of you out there are wishing and hoping that the Iceman manages to stop his whimsical flatulence and pull back his FPL season, which is going awfully at the moment. I know I am speaking in the third person there, but I'm having a terrible season so far. And in fact, it's my New Year's resolution to do better at FPL. Nice and simple, just do better. Yep. 2020, new year, new start, and all that rubbish. Welcoming back my co-host, Stefan Hogsrad. Any FPL resolutions for you, Stefan? Yeah, it's the same as you. Just be better. And so far, so good, I think. That's so oh, boring. I'm, I'm gonna, so I'm boring, gonna hit, Stefan. I'm going to hit my captains this, uh, this oh, yeah. year. 2020 <laughs> is the captain year. Which we worked out pre-pod that um, you're doing a lot worse than me and our guests, which we have on. But our guest this week actually finished third in FPL last year. He has nine top 50k finishes, seven top 15k finishes, with two within the top 1k. So great credentials there. Probably one of the best that we've actually had on the pod. So welcome to the podcast, Andy Green, aka FPL Fancy Guide on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a while, so it's a pleasure and a privilege to be invited on. Yeah, very, very and your very kind on. introduction, I didn't mention the 2015-16 season where I finished somewhere in the region of 850,000 in the world. But uh, No, we'll, keep, know, we'll yeah. keep that one quiet. Where that we, was, we, uh, we don't mention the, the bad scores. No, I think you've got to be honest. <laughs> bad game week, you know, everyone on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, active in the FPL world, you've got to be honest if you have a, a bad game week as well as as well as the winning ones as well. So yeah, yeah that sense. was that was the Leicester game uh, season where they won the league. So you, did, you didn't trust the Vardy and Mahrez, a bit like me that year actually. Yeah, I, and it was, for a while this season, I thought it was the same thing. I didn't. I got Vardy in pretty late. So yeah, uh, yeah you know, I think this season has been tough for many uh, enthusiastic FPL players, and I actually did an article for. The hub looking uh, looking at kind of my captaincy picks, which I think have been the toughest for most most players this season. And I think the kind of expected outcomes of the kind of popular captaincy picks just haven't turned out this year. So I kind of looked at it because everyone has that terrible hindsight, you know, after the game week, you're thinking, oh, my God, I should have chosen my vice captain as my captain. And actually, when I analyzed my team, I realized that there was maybe only one week where I probably picked the wrong captain in the sense that I had Manny as vice captain but in terms of the way that I've played this game for years as you can see my rank has kind of been a bit like a yo-yo over certain seasons but I tend to look at some of the stats from the previous say four or five games and then look also look at the team stats so if I pick last year uh, as an example when everyone was on Kane versus Cardiff I think the prior game Kane had scored and assisted and Salah hadn't played but Salah had Bournemouth in that game uh, I captained uh, Salah, and of course he scored a hat-trick. Yeah. And many people captained Kane, I think. He was the most popular pick on a lot, a lot of the polls. So that's the way I've always played this game. Yeah, well, and this well, season has worked. Works. So I'm currently sitting around 500k. I think you know the, the game that stands out was Tam Abraham when I captained him against Brighton. Uh, <clears throat> paper, that was the... The, the smartest captaincy pick. And actually, if you look at the stats, because last year I used a lot more stats than I've ever done in the in the past, he actually performed like a, a great captaincy pick 
You know, he had five shots in XG of 1.3, I think. So it's actually the right captaincy pick, which is the wrong outcome. So well, what is it about this year, do you reckon, that's always trying to pick the you know, the stats, previous game week, stats of the teams and how well players are actually playing? And it doesn't seem to be working out as, as we want it. What, what do you think it is, though? The major thing is that some of these players who have incredible stats and incredible performances, uh, Tammy Abraham is one, Callum Wilson is another who just suddenly dropped off the radar after some outstanding numbers. I think against Norwich, he blanked and then pretty much went down to an XG of zero very quickly. So that's been the hardest thing because if you're looking at picking the, the next captaincy for the following week, you, you want to pick the informed players. That's what's worked over the years. Uh, and, and it just hasn't worked consistently this year. Uh, the other thing has been the emergence of Vardy as well, obviously. A lot of people got on him pretty early, but others who were kind of more focused on the stats were, like myself, were kind of thinking, right, I'm not going to get him in until his, his overall stats improve. I then did get him in, but obviously quite late on. And then his stats uh, so think, improved. Yeah, yeah. And obviously eye test is one thing, but I think stats is, is something that worked very well last year and it just hasn't worked this year. But I think, really, I think it's been the, the drop-off in certain players and that people were captaining and it just appears to be a bit a bit random and and you know i think it's not been consistent i mean callum wilson obviously has dropped off and not really recovered but uh huh. but yeah i think the 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 other thing that's changed this season and uh, you guys have probably noticed it as well is the rapid price changes we've seen so i was always the the guy who would wait till friday to make my pick you know hear the pressers and make sure there's no kind of last minute injuries but I've been priced out of two players this this season. One was Marshall pretty early, and the other one was Vardy uh, during his kind of rapid price hikes. And so that's really changing the way I'm playing the game this year more than more than any other season I can remember. Because you've got to, you've almost sometimes got to make the move, especially if a player scores a brace or a hat, even a hat trick. You've got to make the the move that night because you know he's rising. And and it depends on your team structure, of course. But so, as I say, I've been priced out of a couple of moves this year so far. Yeah, it does show for a great manager having to adapt to what's actually going on in the season at that particular time. Obviously, I'm not quite adapting as I hoped and I'm not benefiting from what's actually happening with the captaincy this season. Right, so let's list the FPL headlines for this week. They are double game week 24, Liverpool and West Ham. Should we triple captain? Number two is chip strategy, wildcard game week 36, bench boost game week 37. Strategy, is that viable or do we wildcard earlier? Three is a lot of people looking for those Pope replacements. Four is strategy, minutes played key to FPL success. So that's minutes played of the players that you actually bring in. And number five is let's break the template with some differentials. So we'll talk about some differentials as well. Again, a lot to discuss as ever. We will go through the FPL headlines this week, go over listeners' questions. I'll have a piss break. We'll go over partner chat, trapped ins, league tables, guest top three picks, and Alexa's afterthoughts. But first... Let's briefly discuss how we got on in the last game week. I think I will go first. I don't normally when I'm hosting, but I decided to do nothing with my team in the last game week. And from looking at the stats and other options for captains, I decided to put my captaincy on Salah this game week. Then sillily, if that's a word, last minute I changed I changed it. Literally last minute. And it made me wish I wasn't born. I managed to captain the only player this game week to play only one minute. For the first time this season, he has been subbed on. 
That's right, I captained Sterling. With my vice-captain on Salah, when listening to that game and then knowing that Sterling was just going to come on for that one minute was just awful. Resulting in me only actually scoring 44 points this game week and dropping to a million overall. So, as I mentioned at the start of the pod, I'm having an absolutely terrible season. Yeah, which makes me feel terrible and quite depressed over the weekend, but... Then you think there's 16 game weeks to go, loads of chips to play. There's you know many things to give me hope that I can actually finish with a respectable finish, and I do like a challenge. Stefan, I'm going to come to you. How did you get on this game week? I did great this game week. It's my best game week so far of the season, so I'm starting 2020 with a bang. Well done. I also captain Vardy, but he didn't play. But I wisely this time put my vice captain on Salah, which worked out. And those 10 points really were the lowest he could get that game. He could have easily had a couple of goals or he should have had an assist also. Uh, I know it, it's the rules, but I think Mane just should finish that one and give Salah the assist. Other than that, Robertson carried the team for me with 12 points and I kept Grealish, didn't do any transfers and ended up on 70 points. And for the first time this season, I'm back in the top 1 million. I'm hoping to stay here for for the rest of the season. Yeah, you have benefited from holding on to your Liverpool assets as well, haven't you? Yeah, so far so good for the double Liverpool defence. Yeah, exactly what you planned. So a plan does work out well planned. So Andy, how did you get on this game week? Well, I think this is very much the curse of the podcast. You know, when you come on the podcast, you have one of your worst weeks ever. You actually managed to beat me. I only scored 40 points last week. I had the captaincy on. I made no moves because I'm kind of saving up transfers ahead of the the double game week, which we'll get on to later. And uh, I had captaincy on Vardy. And my vice captaincy is probably similar to you, actually. I changed away from Manny to KDB. Just I was concerned about the Manny rest. I didn't obviously expect Vardy not to play. And so KDB, unfortunately, reverted to his... uh, defensive midfield duties last week so yeah that was a bit of a captaincy fail for me only netting four points yeah not great a lot of managers have had a terrible week this week okay we're just gonna mention our patrons firstly thank you to all our brilliant patrons uh, just to mention andy portlock vince poyle ron fosk who are all pledging at the highest tier they get a special mention each week so thank you to them we're gonna go back to the headlines now so double game week 24 liverpool and west ham as we all know should we put the triple captain? Should we be using that in that game week? I think we all feel like tripling up on Liverpool assets is probably a minimum for this game week. And I think that it all depends on what team you've got, whether you triple up on two attackers or two att- defenders, including the goalkeeper. We had a few questions on this one. Uh, I think I'll come to you first, Andy. We had Alan from our Slack channel. He said, so he gave us a little bit of feedback. Great pod, guys. Really enjoyed it. Josh was a great guest. One thought about double game week I had Whilst listening, Josh mentioned triple captaining is a given this game, as the title race might be over soon. So is this the obvious game week to triple captain? Or are we going to look forward to easier fixtures for other teams, possibly Leicester or Man City? What are your thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, I think it's the, the obvious one because we know it's happening. There's also six days between them. So the the potential... Uh, double game week that might come for Leicester would be their game week 28 blank potentially that's obviously a Norwich fixture away from home but we just don't know when that's going to be arranged rearranged so it might be two or three days beyond game week 20 game week 33 or game week 34 maybe even out to game week 36 or 37 so you know we have 
two relatively favourable fixtures. Of, co- of course, they're both away from home, but they're six days apart. And uh, we know that given the league position and the Champions League hasn't really kicked back in, we can expect the main assets to play to play that this this uh, double game week. So from that perspective, given that we know it's happening now, we know that they're six days apart, and Liverpool are going to be playing full strength teams. For me, it's a, a must a must play. Yeah, I did see that <clears throat> Ben Quellen has mentioned that because West Ham and Liverpool have qualified for the fourth round of the FA Cup, they will both have an FA Cup tie in the middle of their double game week in game week 24. So Liverpool most likely have a double game week in game week 37 as well. We, I think we need to think about that as well, the fact that that game is in between. And we assume that they're both will play strong teams. Liverpool will probably have a chance to rest their players, but not sure if West Ham will. What are your thoughts on the triple captain, Stefan? Yeah, I think I was only here last season before the Manchester City first double of last season. And I recommended going for a triple captain then, sort of because the same reasons Andy mentioned. Because we know this game week will happen, yeah. and we know that a great team like Liverpool, which have players that are maybe at the least prone to rotation of them all, is going to play. So I think putting in out Salah or Mane seems pretty good at this point. And Liverpool drew either Bristol City or Shrewsbury away in the FA Cup, so I guess the kids will get another run in that game, and he'll save everything for the Premier League. It's the Premier League that's the main target for Liverpool, and... I don't think Klopp will start to jeopardise his best assets in the FA Cup tie. Yeah. You guys make me very jealous because I actually don't have my triple captain chip. Oh, yeah, you got rid of it again oh, round, didn't you? No, yeah. I've actually played it in unusually in game week one this year, I'm which sure. I've never done before. You know, normally I'm very much you know playing the <coughs> kind of template, the safe way. You went rogue. Yeah, well, I just thought that in and actually I netted twelve points, which. Yeah. Kind of indifferent about from a single game week, it's great, but obviously, we're a double, it might be uh better this this game week 24. But I looking at it, it, was a, it wasn't just a random punt, random decision. Manny wasn't playing, we knew that for sure. Milner wasn't playing, so therefore, Salah was on pens and he was the main focal point of the attack. And they were also up against uh Norwich, who actually had the leakiest defense out of the three promoted teams. So, obviously, it's the first time in many seasons I've played it in a single game week, and uh, you know, it. it as I say, twelve points isn't too bad. It should have been a lot better, though. I think he'd he'd taken. I think he'd scored within thirty minutes, and so I thought, here we go. This is this is going to be a great season. But in the end, you know, I'm not too bothered about it. But obviously, now looking at these fixtures, I'm thinking, God, I wish I still had it. Yeah. I think twelve points is decent, though. If I can get twelve points from a triple captain again, before <laughs> I'm happy. It's it's not that easy to get. Yeah, it's, it's not terrible. A lot of people <laughs> come out a lot worse. Yeah. Before. Uh, E.g. Duffy and uh, Sane, Sane, Sane one-pointer. Yeah. Sane, one-pointer. I think people put yeah. it on Kane when he had the sniffles. So, you know, are you definitely going to use it on Salah then, Stefan? Yeah, as things stands now, I'll use it on Salah. Yeah. You know, have you got... You don't have Salah or Manny. You're going for the double defensive double-up, right? Yeah, I already have it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm think, I think I'm going to recommend everyone else at this point to maybe squeeze in both Salah and Mane. Just to be sure, because the effective ownership of money is going to be so high. So yeah. I think you you might need him. But I don't want to put you off this decision, but we I was doing some analysis in the in the run up to the Fancy Football Hub podcast, and uh, if you look at away versus home games, Manny has performed significantly better in away games. He's averaging nearly seven points a game, whereas Salah in away games is only averaging five points. Well, yeah. Stefan already I, has I Salah. Take, don't I he? take so. issue. 
Yeah, I have Salah, but I take issue with that because if you take a look back at the spring of 2019, everyone said that you should avoid Mane because Mane is away form was so terrible. He couldn't score away before he just started to score away in, in, against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. But the thing is, I think that's just variance. That Mane does better away than home now, better than Salah. It's just variance. So I still think Salah is going to have the lowest goal scorer odds. And he's going to be expected to score more points than Mane, especially since he's on penalties. So I think, yeah, I think Salah is the, is the best, uh, best triple captain choice. And that's why I got him now instead of Mane. Yeah, we we had a we had a few questions from one from FPL DC, uh, one from FPL Canada, and DJ Newton was just saying that which are you choosing then? Is it the two mids and the one defender, or is it the two defenders and one mid? At the moment, Stefan, you've got the two defenders and one mid. You're probably going to stick with that because it's probably easier for you. What about you, Andy? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think if you have that, you've got to stick with it, and there's. Plenty, you know, looking at them against Sheffield United, they didn't look like conceding a goal at all. So, you know, I think that's pretty, pretty solid. But I think I'm going to go, given I don't have a triple captainship, I'm going to go for two mids. I mean, actually looking at the fixtures beyond that, until they've tied up the league, which on this trajectory is probably going to be more, maybe late March, April. I still think you know, he's going to be playing these, these both Manny and Salah pretty much every game. If they're fit, so and looking at the fixtures beyond that, I think I might be tempted to hold Manny and Salah. The, the likes of um, Calvert Lewin, Grealish, Traore—they all these are all enablers that allow you to have that kind of strong midfield. And so, rather than just this being a kind of midfield double up and spending a lot of you, I've seen a lot of people saying, "Oh well, that's too much of your budget." But actually, with those enablers, I think I'm going to be looking at this kind of medium term, really. This yeah. kind of setup, yeah, bring, bringing them in and then just holding them. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at actually bringing in Mane. I've already got Salah. And I'm also looking at bringing in TAA. So I'm, I'm looking at the two in midfield. I'm not decided on the triple captaincy. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot more thought. <clears throat> I, I will have the two Liverpool midfielders though. So that's the the route I'm going. So you're going the same, uh, Stefan. Just to I, I would recommend I would recommend the same, but uh, I am not going to recommend to myself that I switch out a defender. Yeah, I think that's a waste of transfers. So I'm going to stick with it, and maybe it's the differential I need to climb the rankings. Yeah, I agree. With that. Uh, um, and another point is uh, there's a value. As we mentioned last season, there's value in just getting rid of one chip because as we're going to talk about the chip strategies later, I think it's it's good to have one less chip to worry about when the game week starts with the free hits and the bench boost double game weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it gives you a lot more wriggle room if you just have one pure <clears throat> chip. You're not forced to actually do it, and you don't panic and just play it a random single game week as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so we we had another question about West Ham. A lot of talk. Haven't, we haven't really discussed them. They seem to be on a new manager bounce now with with Moyes, as we've almost said that might happen in the pods before. So we had Scouse Mouse at Scouse Mouse one eight zero saying we all know Liverpool assets for double game week. Are there any fancy for West Ham? Noble maybe. Yeah, he scored two in the last game. He takes penalty. Is Fabianski worth it? When he's playing two games, likely to batter him. So, Stefan, have you changed your thoughts on West Ham in the last week or so, based on the four-nil drubbing of Bournemouth? No, I still think um, it's Fabianski or no one for me from West Ham. Yeah. I still think uh, it's hard guessing the lineups, and it's it's very tough guessing who will do good, who will play all games or both games. So, I think it's a big guesswork. Maybe you could take a punt on Sebastian Haller 
if you're going to do something, but it's in the differential compartment for, for sure. Yeah. In terms of uh, West Ham, what do you think about Philippe Anderson? Because I've been looking at, you know, I don't know if he's going to fit into my team and uh, probably looking at moving Pope to Fabianski, but I do have an, uh, an, uh, an additional transfer. And if I look at the positioning of Philippe Anderson over the last two games, he's actually playing further forward than, than Haller. It kind of, I wouldn't say it's oh, as extreme as the Kane versus Ali situation, but you know he's got a goal and assist in his last two games, and if he continues to play like that, I think he could be a nice differential. He's at a bit of an awkward <coughs> price point, six point six. Uh, you know, he's not as cheap, obviously, as Noble at, at five mil, but I think he could be an interesting uh, differential. If, has anyone has anyone watched him recently and think thought, oh, that might be a, something to look at for the double game week? It's just not something that I've been able to fit in with my transfers that I'm planning. So I've not really had the luxury of, of looking at that. Whereas if, if I did, then I think I would consider it. It's just that he's not really been consistent in the past, has he? And people have punted on him during a double game week. Last year, a lot of people brought him in and he completely failed for us. So that is the problem with their players. If I was to punt on anyone, it would be Antonio. If fit, I would see him as an option, but. Yes, whether or not he stays fit. But yeah, I'm, I'm the same as Stefan for me. I think it's just uh, Fabianski or Bust still. Is there anyone else that you would think of other than Anderson, Andy? No, as I say, Fabianski it would be the one and it's simply because of probably save points. I know everyone talks about his penalty saving record, but I don't, you know, I'm not going to be picking a, a keeper based off that. Um, the concern being, obviously, that these two teams, you could end up on negative points as well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Imagine Fabianski saving a Salah penalty. That oh, would, yeah, that, <laughs> that, would, some that would rock the FPL, FPL world. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's move on to headline number two then, chip strategy. So wildcard game week 36, bench boost game week 37. Is that strategy viable or do we wildcard earlier? So according to Ben Krellen, a shout out to Ben, by the way, he's been on here before. Hopefully we'll get him on this year at some point. He posted today actually on Twitter, he said, FA Cup draws are my drug. So he lives and dies for the double game week, blank game week, wildcard, chip strategy. If you're interested in what he's got to say, then follow him on Twitter at Ben Krillin. He knows everything about the double game week. So he's predicting double game week, game week 24, which we already know, Liverpool and West Ham. Blank game week, game week 28. I'm saying game week twice. That's the EFL Cup final. And blank game week 31, FA Cup final quarterfinals and then a blank and double game week game week 34 which is the FA Cup semi-finals and then a double game week in game week 37 which should be the big one so there may be another get double game week as well if team gets three postponements looking at what he said about that he, he reckons that the perfect chip strategy will be to free hit in blank game week 31 wild card in game week 36 as we mentioned and bench boost in game week 37 because that will be the bigger game week of them all and it just increases the effectiveness of the bench boost chip so we had a couple of questions on this alan duffin from our slack is asking is it too early to wildcard so if you're considering a wildcard between now and maybe the blank game week is it too early uh, and i'll come to you andy i think it really depends on your on your kind of position and what you're aiming for really not i don't tend to look at outright rank till a bit later in the season but for me if you're leaving your wild card there till game week 36, you don't have a lot of time left to uh, to chase, if you like. These blanks offer an opportunity to perhaps wild card a bit early. The other thing is, as we mentioned, if the Champions League is still running, you're going to find Liverpool and the league is sewn up. You're going to find Liverpool resting players. So you could find yourself in a situation where you are wild carding and bringing in players like 
Shakiri or Ricci or something. You know, it's just not an optimal time to be so late in the season to be wild carding. So I guess if you're kind of playing defensively, if you're in a very strong position and you're quite happy with your trajectory and where you think you're going to end up, then I think that is the, the safe route. But for me, I'm looking to chase a bit higher. And I'm, so I'm probably going to be, haven't worked out yet because we obviously haven't seen the exact blanks in 28 or 31 yet, but I'm probably going to be looking potentially around 29.30 for a, a wild card. There is obviously the opportunity of doing it after this, looking at game week 25 for a wild card. And that possibly is a bit too early for me because I can manage out some of the players I don't want. Like, for example, Fabianski. If you look at his fixtures after the double game week, I think he's got a decent one in 25 and then 26 and 7 are horrific. He's got Man City and Liverpool away. So a big you safe pretty much there. <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much manage that out with... Um, with the transfer but yeah i think so basically to answer your question i think i'm going to be going earlier than 36 this year i do actually think i i may probably be doing the same stefan what, what do you reckon yeah i took a look at this and uh, looked at my team in the season planner i was spending my time with when i'm planning fpl and i looked at the game at 25 wildcard and it basically turns out the way my team is structured already because the main thing for pretty much everyone will be that they have a lot of money invested in Liverpool. And Liverpool still has great fixtures for a long while. So you're, you're sort of just switching out fringe players at that point. And I don't think you actually need to spend the wild card to get the team you want. At least for me. So the Granite 25 is too soon. Even though you want to get some, uh, you want to get some uh, game weeks out of your wild card. I think you can pretty much uh, get the team you want either way just with free transfers. And you, you shouldn't just waste your, uh, waste your wild card just because you can. So for me, I'm keep because if we get some fixtures in game week 31, say Liverpool goes out of the FA Cup as they, they will play the kids, I guess. So there's always a chance. If you can manage to get through the blank game week 20, 31 without spending a free hit, it allows you to wildcard in game week 32 where Liverpool faces Man City away and maybe also gets close to securing the title and if that happens uh, you maybe want to offload some Liverpool assets and restructure your team and get a few more weeks out of your wildcard and then maybe just spend the free hit in game week, double game week 37 when a lot of teams won't have anything less to play for and uh, you can try to optimize getting in the place that Need the wins, but then, so, like, like um, Andy has said, you're bringing in maybe even the likes of Origi, players like that, which you're not 100 percent on whether or not they're going to play or not, and whether or not they're going to whip straight into form, etc. There's there is a lot of ums and ahs. Yeah, but in in game, okay, it's a lot of buts and if if at this point, of yeah. course. But say in game 37, if you have some teams like Wolverhampton fighting for a, that Europa spot, yeah. You might want to triple up on them, and you can go triple up on other teams also that needs the wins. Maybe Man City needs some wins. Maybe Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal. <laughs> I didn't mention I think it's Aston Villa. Yeah, like, Aston Villa. Maybe, away, yeah. maybe in a double. So. And then Watford. A lot of things. Watford last yeah, game. Yeah, a lot of things can happen. But so I, I like to get some weeks out of my wild card, given that I'm such bad overall rank. So I won't play it in game week 37. I'm pretty sure. Like 36. I want the wild card in 36. Yeah. I will probably do it before, but I want to rush to do it, just to do it. I, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather keep it if I didn't want to make 
many changes to my team. Yeah, it is team dependent. I mean, you look at some of the fixes which hit in from game week 33. I think around that particular game week where I am looking to play at the moment, but it's all ifs and buts at the moment. It all depends on what happens. You know, the Marshall illness will mean that another player will need to move out and then maybe you get a suspension so it's, it's all team dependent as well but yeah I am looking around that game week 33 area game week 32 a bit like Andy is the only other thing is that if you if we do think that Liverpool saw this league up pretty quickly then Man City the Pep might start to prioritize the Champions League so someone like KDB who we all assume is nailed on for every game might start being rotated and and at that sort of price point you probably don't want that player you know potentially being missing from your team for one or two weeks yeah that's true good points we also had another couple of questions from Marvin is wasting your wild card to get Manny and Salah in for game 24 is that a viable thing I don't think it's worth spending the wild card to get those two guys in for just that game. Like, try to get maybe a defender in instead. I don't think uh, it's tough. It's tough going without them, and it's tough going without a triple up. But I'm sure you can fit those in with a hit or maybe two hits. I yeah. think yeah, I, would exactly. rather, I would rather spend eight points on getting the Liverpool guys than spending the wild card. Exactly, I'm with you on that. I think this stage it's too early. We don't. You know, a lot of the, these things, these variables we just talked about haven't happened yet. We don't know some of the, the, the permutations going forward. So I think I'd rather take a, an eight-point hit to uh, to bring in the player you want rather than wildcard this, at this stage. Yeah, I agree with that. And we had another question from Alex Ball, which we've kind of answered as well. So thank you for that, Alex. Going to move on to the next headline now. So Pope replacements then. So Andrew K at a King Y80 can't decide on a Pope replacement, leaning towards Leno, Ryan, Foster, McCarthy, or Fabianski. Already have Dunk. I'm on Ryan. I think you're on Ryan as well, Stefan. I, I was on Pope until uh, this game week. I already made the transfer, so. I can I can say that I went for Ryan, but I didn't have money for anyone else above his price. Okay. So I, I really didn't have the option to transfer in Fabianski without using both my free transfers. And Would you have gone Fabianski if you if you could? I think I might have taken the punt on him, and with a plan to get Henderson in from game week twenty six when uh, Fabianski has these horrible fixtures. Or game at 25, I mean. And uh, Sheffield United has great fixtures. So uh, if I had point one more in the bank, I think I might have gone for Fabianski. Yeah. And I, I probably would because I would have done it before this game that just passed. And Andy, I assume your answer is Fabianski for that one, if you have the money. Yeah, I think I've got I've got Pope, so I'm in a similar situation. I, I'm looking to get rid of him. I think Fabianski makes some sense. The one question mark is... is Stefan just highlighted is that is another it's a kind of transfer waiting waiting to come out yeah uh, and the, the set and forget that you guys are already on is is Ryan for me I don't think we can yet trust uh, Leno although it might be a nice differential although really goalkeepers are not an area you should be looking for a differential I think no, no. I think Ryan is, is the best pick for me at least because you can just leave him there and he has pretty good fixtures up until you want to spend that second wild card so think that's a good argument just to get him in hope it does better than Pope and see what happens yeah he has good fixtures uh, all the way to game week 34 where they play Liverpool at home really yeah if you want a slightly <coughs> more differential goalkeeper I would have recommended Foster from Watford 
because I think Watford is uh, they're going to stay up. I think if they're going to stay up, they will win some games, and if they win some games, they will keep some clean sheets. And he's pretty good at saves and bonus. He's sort of like uh, Ryan in that regard. He keeps picking up bonus points when they keep a clean sheet, and they have. Okay fixtures for the long run. Yeah, and Pearson seems to have made a difference there. It's very noticeable of what he's done there. and They've got a couple of good results out of it as well. So, yeah, I have the ones to go for. I'll go for the safe option in, in Ryan, though. What do you think about McCarthy <coughs> from Southampton? I see a lot of guys have been mentioning him maybe in a rotation with Fabianski. Is that something you would have liked? Oh, it's a bit expensive to go rotation for me. I just wouldn't want to put all that money there. I mean, I know he's only 4.3. They've got some pretty good fixtures. They've got Leicester, Wolves um, and Liverpool in their next four. So wouldn't really want to. He's more of a, a wild card or something after those games for me because after that they've got Burnley, Aston Villa, West Ham and Newcastle and Norwich all in all in a run at five there. So I think I'll consider it more then. I can see them letting in goals in the next four, even against Palace away. I think that if you have pulled the wild card button this week, you should consider the McCarthy-Fabianski double-up because you will have two playing goalkeepers for the double that eventually happens on the bench boost. You can play McCarthy in the tough fixtures for Fabianski if you're on the wild card. It's a good shout, but you won't be doing it is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I won't I won't be playing my wild card, but if you already have triggered it, that's my advice. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Okay, I think that's enough on Pope replacement. So moving on to headline number four, strategy. Minutes played key to FPL success. So this was brought up by you, Stefan. Do you want to just kind of read what we've got for this one in terms of the Elite 64 for the Norwegian League? Yeah, so the administrator for the Elite 64 leagues in Norway, we have some candidate leagues and the real league uh, stuff. He, he checked an analysis tool which actually gives you the amount of minutes your players have played for your team. And what he found was that of the 30 managers that topped the three different Elite 64 leagues, only four of them were outside the top 200,000 rank. And given how bad a lot of people are doing this season, I found that interesting. And so so did he. So, so the thing is, can we predict how good you are at FPL by looking at how many minutes you get out of your players in your team. So is that the whole key to success or a part of the key to success in this game is picking the guys that are nailed on for 90 minutes each and every week? So it's not picking the likes of Mares, the likes of who gets... Lucas, Luke, for Yeah, Mara, yeah, those players. And um, I wonder how many of the Elite 64 Norwegian actually picked any of those players and whether or not they're outside the 200k. Yeah, probably outside a bit. And, and uh, an interesting case is also Tammy Abraham, for example, because he used to get limited minutes, but he's doing... He's been doing really well so far but uh, I find myself every time I watch the games and and you own the player that's likely to get subbed off it it really kills you to watch the game because every time you see someone warming up you think oh now it's time you need to score you need to score and I I kind of had that with Son (laughs) I brought in Son before Pochettino was fired and he usually managed Son's minutes quite a lot and I think that sort of was maybe a mistake for me early on to go for Son that early before Mourinho came in and Son isn't suddenly nailed on for 90 minutes each game. And so I think there's something maybe to that because you miss out those crucial last few minutes where teams can get a goal out of nothing, uh, like, say, the Rashford goal versus Burnley during the holiday fixtures, where we just was able to run in alone three minutes 
in into added time yeah. and score that goal. And you, it's important to get those late goals. Uh, I think. Yeah, one of the one of the players I missed out on when Abraham got injured was Danny Hings for that for this very yeah. reason. I was concerned about his minutes, concerned about the injury uh, proneness that he's had historically. But I was, you know, looking at him, he was kind of been certain games he'd been taken off at seventy in game week thirteen, taken off at seventy two minutes, game week fifteen, seventy six minutes, and then of course he starts putting in a run like ninety minutes, eighty six minutes, ninety minutes, and. You know, of course, several goals have gone past and we missed out on the points there. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I would say historically, you aim for players that are going to play at least 80 minutes in a game, just simply because, as you said, towards the end of the game, players get tired and these goal scorers can can pop one in late. The one, There's a couple of exceptions, though. One would be a player as explosive as uh, Aguero if he was nailed on. Uh, you know, if he gets taken off at 70 minutes, he could easily yeah. score by then yeah. but yeah over the course of your team you should be aiming for you know you don't want a kind of 59 minute defender sub when when they when they're kind of keeping a clean sheet that would just be a disaster it would ruin your weekend so so yeah you should be aiming for kind of players that are likely to play significant minutes so do you strategize and and always check the minutes for a guy so i have a feel for uh, if they're nailed on for 90 or should be close to 90 before you pick them well as i say that's why i didn't pick him so that's been a bit of a disaster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and i've actually got aguero on my team so i don't know yeah. what i'm talking about and contradicting myself um, <laughs> but no no i mean the reason i picked aguero was a short-term kind of money hold for the i didn't really fancy the liverpool triple up so early just because of the next the, the next two games and uh aguero's coming back and he's got some good fixtures disappointed he didn't play against everton but yeah typically i do normally look out for players that are going to be nailed on and how about you james yeah, I, I don't like going for the the Mares's or the Moras. Um, I, I like constant consistency, and obviously with the likes of Aguero, you still get that constant consistency. The same with Ings, with Abraham, he may be coming off, but he was still scoring points. When you've got those likes of players which are doing it over and over every week, that you you do want to have them in. But I, I would go, I would opt for them still. But if you know that a player is just going to completely miss out a game every so often, a classic a classic example I think will be Trossard, which yeah. has always seemed promising when he plays, but he can't play ninety minutes. I think or he will be he plays some ninety minutes, but he usually does start or he goes off early and. He's yeah, and then he would score, score a goal and assist against Norwich or something like that, and then you'd be like, "Oh, we need to get him in." But then, yeah, the minutes are just not, just not there yeah. for him, really. Yeah. And I think the same is both of Mount and Pulisic as well. Pulisic as well. Both those guys are, if they play ninety minutes each and every week, and we knew that. I think there will be great options, even though Chelsea has been quite bad uh, lately. But yeah, I agree. I mean, like he puts at the bottom of his message there that this indicates that being able to predict playing time is an elite skill which most of the veterans in the leagues possess. And minutes mean, might be one of those most important factors when making transfer and selecting players. Right, going to move on to the last headline now. So let's break the template with some differentials. So Matt from our Slackers book, could 
Williams for United be a great option? I'm going to come to you, Andy. What are your thoughts on Williams? He's he's well, one of these players which <laughs> could get less minutes for me. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of Man United fans have been calling for him to start ahead of Shaw. Uh, it certainly looks more dynamic and, and more attacking. And at 4 million, it's almost, you know, ahead of the wild card, you could almost have him in there. And uh, not that they've been keeping a lot of clean sheets, but you could almost have him in there and just as a kind of, not even a, an advanced kind of sub, if you like, as in you could play him and, and if he doesn't play at 4 mil, you're not, you've not sacrificed a lot in your team. So, yeah, I mean, I like him. It's just that, that well, we just talked about that consistency of minutes. You just don't know if, if Solskjaer is going to play Shaw. I think Shaw got the player of the year last year or something uh, for Man United. And <laughs> a lot of United fans are actually saying that he he's just a better player than, than Williams. So they don't feel like that's going to happen. I'm I'm against it. I just even if you want to bring him in for like a wild card option, you still want that good bench player, and you just don't know whether he's going to play. I don't think it's a good option. I think I'd rather just spend the point three or point two extra to get the Watford yeah, defender. Watford. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, just get those guys that can do something for you and actually play the games. And we know for sure that uh, is it 18 or 19 or something. Either way, a, a player of that age won't play week in and week out for United. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean he's played 90 minutes in the last what six games, so it's just not it's just not consistent enough. Okay, going to move on to the next question on, on this one. So we've got Mad Hatter from our Slack again that has said, have Arsenal got realistic FPL assets now going by that convincing win against United or has Iceman spunked too soon? So thanks for that, Mad Hatter. We also had uh, FPL Sizz has put, will Ozil become an Arsenal bandwagon? So as an Arsenal fan, I think we're going to lead on this one. I spoke to James York from Statsbomb and he told me that Arteta, in his three games managed, Arsenal have ranked 13th, 5th and 1st in that order for pressure volumes by the Statspawn metrics. So early signs are showing that they're working harder and I think that it is evident from the style of play and the work effort that has risen in the Arsenal team. With Ozil, Statspawn even put a tweet out said that Ozil was the most active on the pitch against United with 44 pressures with Lacazette close behind on 42 even the way Arsenal are playing with the ball, I think they're, they're taking riskier passes that are paying off a little bit more. But you can see after the Chelsea game how gutted all the Arsenal players were from the effort that they put in. But it is still early days and it's like a they're a punt team, if you're asking me, really. that It could pay off bringing in the likes of Pepe, Ozil or Aubameyang, but it still could backfire. We still could go downhill as well. You know, It's very early days for me. What are your thoughts, uh, Stefan? Can we come to you first? I think it's still too early, but re- regarding our last talking point, I think Pepe is one to watch if he starts to get those consistent 90 minutes games. And if we can watch him or if uh, watch him get 90 minutes in the Premier League the next couple of couple of games, I think he could be an option when Arsenal have some easier fixtures against Burnley and Newcastle in game week 25 and 26. So I'll, I'll keep my eye on him and see if he can deliver because what I've seen of him versus, for example, Manchester United, he was pretty lively and looked really good. So if he starts to play a lot of minutes, I might uh, take a punt on him since I have all that extra cash floating around for not having Mane and Salah. <laughs> Pepe had four key passes last game. The one player that stands out to me, and I don't think many 
FPL managers that want to go, go go down this route so early. Uh, I watched some analysis of the Arsenal Man United game in Klasinac mm. when Arsenal had the ball and became <laughs> like a left winger. Yeah, yeah, he does that. He does go forward quite a lot. I mean, we've still got Tierney to come back as well, but he's expected back. I think it's March. He's he's just been injured quite a bit lately, Klasinac as well. He had to go off through an injury. I think he's played through the pain. I think he's more of a, a wait a little bit longer because apparently Saka should have played in one of the games, but he couldn't quite make the game. So Glasnatch had to play and I'm a little bit worried he would ruin his injury a little bit more. Uh, we've got Crystal Palace and Sheffield United and Chelsea in the next three. I think you can gauge a little bit more knowledge from that and then decide on him for me. And what about Aubameyang? I know you did have him in. Yes, I did. Still got him? <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, I did remove him. He's still, he's working for the team a lot more. As captain, he's actually doing more for the team, so he's getting back and forward. And I don't think that's good for his FPL potential as well. With Lacazette always starting up top, he just somehow manages to get a goal from nothing sometimes. I mean, he, could, he should have scored in the last game with a volley from a, I think it was Pepe who delivered over a ball to him, uh, but he skied it. So there is always potential we can get a goal each game. It's just it's a lot of money to to put in. I'm not looking at massive hauls from him every game. So I'd rather I think I'd rather spend the money elsewhere for now. It's still too soon uh, for Arsenal, but if Arsenal shows good form in the next three fixtures, I think Aubameyang can be a, a great option, and he can. Let's see who the other... He can even be a captaincy option somewhere down the line, I think. So he's one to watch also. And uh, it all depends on how good Arteta gets Arsenal playing. OK, going to move on to the next question. Jeremiah from Slack has put, Dini or Dele Fayou? So Watford are in form and two of the next three are against Bournemouth and Aston Villa. Dini on pens and Dele Fayou likes to go big against the whipping posts he's put there. So what are your thoughts, Andy, on Dini or Dele Fayou? Yeah, I've actually been looking at, at Dini as a enabler, Ooh. essentially, for the, the double Liverpool midfield. Uh, it's really, for me, it's either between Dini or Calvert-Lewin, and I'll, I'll comment on both of their their stats and their performances. I mean, Dini, actually, people would just think of as a, a kind of out-and-out goal scorer, takes penalties, and, of course, his, his shot count over the last four, he's 11 shots, nine in the box, four big chances, an XG of 2.81 is pretty strong. In fact, it's actually... Second, second highest in the league, uh, just behind Jesus there. Uh, but what you don't really appreciate is his. He's had five key passes, and his XA is is up at one point three nine for the last four games. So I, I, he's looking pretty outstanding from just purely from the stats. Calvert Lewin as well, twelve shots, eleven in the box. So for me, the two differentials, uh, Dini and Calvert Lewin, stand out for, from a forward picks. Moving it back to, to Dini and Delefeu, so I, I did a quick stats comparison on the two because I, I thought I'd look at that because Dini's obviously had the two penalties within the last six, so that skews that uh, XG quite a bit for me. I would be biased if I was looking at this initially and just choose Delefeu by default because I just don't like Dini as a player, but the stats tell me that my gut would be right over this. I know Dini is on penalties and that can be a big advantage for a player, but in the last six, Watford have had two penalties in which he has scored, as I mentioned, giving him the better XG over Delefeu. But from the key metrics, Delefeu is actually beating Dini over the last six since Dini's been back. Six key metrics to four 
and he's got a better total involvement, Delafeo Overdini, in his uh, bonus points system as well. Penalty area touches, 48 to 24. Yeah, they're equal for goal attempts, however, on 12 in the last six. But Delafeo edges it for chances created, 13 to Dini's 7. So I would prefer to own a classy player like Delafeo, where you can see potential for big hauls than a player that you rely on penalties and easy tap-ins. What are your thoughts on that, Andy? I'm directing this back at you. This is my counter argument to your Dini pick. No, I mean, Delafoya as well has got some great uh, assisting stats there as well. You know, he's got an XA of 0.67 over the last four. The question mark for me is really, do you want to have a Watford attacker there? I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I just look at them and I, when I look at the, well, let's have a look at the fixtures. What have they got? They have, they have Bournemouth up next and then Tottenham. Villa, I guess it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, of the two, I think I'm still going to be going for uh, Dini just in terms of that extra, the extra shot count, uh, which is one of the key things I look at. Um, and the big chances, he's had four big chances versus De La Feo's only two. So I'm not saying De La Feo isn't the better player overall, but just in terms of what you look at for FPL points, I'd like to have the penalties and I'd like to have the, the shot stats and the, and the big chances there. Mm. Stefan? Uh I don't like any of them, so you can you can have. You can <laughs> Leave have me this. alone! Don't talk to me about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that's our opinions on that, Jeremiah. Um, so he's also asking Jesus' time with the Premier League, obviously secondary, not for Pep. Should Jesus get more and the most starts, and Aguero get Champions League and Cup majority of playing time? I think it's a wild guess, and I. I really can't guess what Pep's thinking about this at this point. No, he's even going to play Sterling for one minute. Yeah, so maybe he it's will play one of them in the league and one of them in the Champions League when that starts up. But for now, I have I really have no clue. So uh, I don't have any good thing to say about <laughs> Sterling, Aguero or Jesus. Yeah, as I said, I have actually got Aguero at the moment. I was expecting him to play against Everton, but I guess he's being eased back in. It all really depends. For me, as I say, it was just a short-term fixture play in the run-up to the the Liverpool double game week. I would not be considering either for a long-term pick. My feeling, my gut feeling is that Aguero will be used in the Champions League a bit more. We'll see what happens tomorrow because it's the semi-finals of the EFL Cup. So, Aguero played against Port Vale. I'm expecting Jesus to play against Man United tomorrow and then Aguero to come back in for Villa. So, But again, do you want to spend that sort of money in a key position and have this kind of concern every going into every game week? So for me, even though one or, one or either of them, or maybe even both of them might have great stats and great performances, until one of them is injured or, or Pep makes it clear that one of them is going to be used for the Champions League and one for the league, I think you've got to stay away. Sorry, I was just chewing on some lemons because I'm still bitter from the uh, one minute <laughs> from Pep. Yeah, I, I can't trust it. I'd say stay away. It's too much of a pump for me. Also got one more, more question here from FPL Scissor saying, can Shelby and Triore combine to make a fourth mid? I definitely think Triore is still a good option. He made 15 dribbles in the last game. And I think they were successful as well. Uh, no player really does that. He's just on fire at the moment. He just pushes the ball past and then just piles through like a juggernaut. What are your thoughts on, on those two, Andy? going to come to you. Well, I have Traore. I think um, he's a nice price point to enable uh, some larger, more expensive players, if you like. But in terms of Wolves, you've really got to be looking at fixtures. 
Uh, Jimenez is probably the only one that's kind of fixture proof in that team, I would say. But they have night. They have a nice one in uh, 22 and 23. Then they have a bit of a nasty run. Liverpool, Man United away, and, and Leicester at home. So you know, certainly is an enabler up until game week 24, and then you can probably look to move them on if you reshuffle your team. I think you can play Traore as your fourth mid to enable Salah and Mane double up. And the interesting thing about Traore is you you think he plays better and has a bigger goal threat when he gets more space. So actually, he might be better suited to play against the bigger sides. And in fact, all of his four goals this season have come against Manchester City and Tottenham. Mm, interesting. Yeah, for me, it'll be Torre, Shelby's and it's still a no-go for me. I don't trust Newcastle. Okay, so we're going to move back to the actual question of the headline now. So what differentials do we need to break the template at the moment? Stefan, what are your thoughts? Have you got many? Uh, yeah, I got, uh, got a few. And if we rewind all the way back to game week one, we have two players that were in a lot of teams. Wilson. Uh, okay, let's, okay, Wilson is also differential, but I don't know if I trust him this <laughs> oh. much. Oh, I, I first need I first need to see Borne score a goal before yeah. we can. They scored in the cup, that. I think. Wilson scored in the cup. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. So yeah. maybe that's the turning point. And yeah. he is a differential, no doubt. Even though his ownership might be a bit inflated by the dead teams. But there's two guys, both uh, Raheem Sterling and also Luca Ding, are two guys which many of us own come game week one. And I think the reasons to own them are pretty much back and. Uh, I talked to some that's planning the Salamane route in double game in 24, but you could easily argue that it might be worth to bring in Sterling now and have him as a placeholder and maybe even as a captain for the next two game weeks and then move on to Mane or Salah. Because Sterling is still a great asset and Manchester City face Aston Villa away and Aston Villa barely has a team anymore. Uh, they lost Heaton for the whole season, I think. And uh, Mings is back, but they lack McGinn and they could easily lose that game by a wide margin. And then there's Crystal Palace at home, and that could also be a great game for Sterling as a captain. So he's an option pretty much many have uh, stopped to mention now, but he's still great, I think. And Luca Ding has a great run of fixtures, and you can maybe capitalize on them. He's still good at the bonus, and uh, he can be one. And also my own differential not going for the Salaman double up is uh, currently some. I know I owned him for three red cards, but I think if you just ride out the Liverpool game and wait for that game to pass, I think it can be a great option for Watford away and Norwich at home. Of oh, sure, if you if you believe Spurs will score in zero goals in those <laughs> games, I don't think you should go for some. But I I kind of fancy him still. Yeah, I, I like it. I do. I do like the shout. I, I if I had the option to go him, if I've already got my Liverpool assets, then I would definitely consider him. I do like the Sterling one. Obviously, Villa are actually bottom for shots conceded so far this season. They've gone above Norwich for the amount of shots they've conceded, and against the Burnley, who have only had ten shots on target since November. They managed to concede a goal. So, yeah, I, I, I do actually think that Sterling is a captain option this week as well. What were your thoughts, Andy? Any uh, other differentials or do you want to elaborate on those ones? Uh, certainly the Son one for me is interesting. Uh, game week after 22, he's got Watford and then Norwich at home, who have been very leaky at home this, this season. And then uh, even after that, he's got uh, Man City at home. Uh, so we know that they concede, they concede quite a lot of goals, although potentially Laporte might be back. Uh, by then but certainly if you look at the Middlesbrough game although they ended up drawing he was certainly the, the the furthest forward and if you remember last season when Kane was out 
he pretty much got them to the Champions League final, um, yeah. you know, by playing in that position and, and you know performing amazingly well. So you know, Son will be one I'll be looking at. Question is with that midfield, it depends on your team structure. It probably fits Son probably fits nicely into your team, but uh, I think if you've got the two expensive mids plus KDB, two Liverpool mids plus KDB, it's quite hard to fit Son in. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he would be someone that you might look at taking KDB out for, uh, or you know, maybe trying to fit him in some other way. But right now, it doesn't look likely. And, uh, you know, come game week 24, he's going to be in my team. So a bit unfortunate, but certainly someone someone to look out for. And the other one, who's a differential right now, but I'm not sure he will be very soon, is uh, Calvert-Lewin. So if we look at everything, really, stats. I mentioned it earlier, he's got 12 shots in the, in the box, 11, sorry, 11 in the box, 12 shots. He's made five key passes in that time. Fixture-wise, it's Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, and his price is still only 5.9. So that enables some some nice transfers to be made. So as I say, he's a differential for now, but I think come game at 24, he's going to be in many, many, many teams. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking at bringing him in. He seems to be my route to getting in that uh, those Liverpool players as well. I'm going to release Rashford for him, uh, not this game week, but the next one that's kind of in my plan. I do think a lot of people are looking at that because it does free a lot of cash up and... Yeah, if you're able to get those Liverpool players, which I think a lot of people are going to need, uh, just for effective ownership as well, uh, he's a good route to that, along with the other differentials that uh, we've mentioned as well. And Okay, that is it for the headlines. Let's move on to the questions. So Alan again from Slack has put, who of Salah and Mane are you more comfortable? I'm going to go... Andy. Having watched the last game and quite a few this season, I would say Salah gets more chances, but Manny's more clinical. So from that perspective, and some of his away recent away records, I'm going to go. I would go for Manny. And Stefan, I would go Salah. <laughs> I also will go. Um, I'll undecided, so I won't give an answer. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go. I'll go Salah as well. I think uh, I've just always trusted Salah. Though he's got the history of always kind of performing. Milner was out, and he should be nailed on for penalties now. Okay. I think Manny. I think uh, most people will captain Salah, or triple captain, or captain him. And I actually think Manny's a bit of a differential basis that. I don't think so because it's fifty percent on. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are not going to be able to bring in Salah, so they will yeah. captain Mane by default, really. So uh, you think what's the ownership right now? Let's have a little look. I guess we just don't know what percentage of these are dead teams, though. So yeah, Mane is still actually ahead, thirty nine point four percent, and Salah twenty four point eight. But the thing, the thing is, uh, this past week when a lot of guys captained Vardy and also some De Bruyne and Salah. In top 10k, I think Mane had 110% effective ownership or something. So that As a vice captain, yeah. Yeah, so that means basically in game 24, in the top 10k, I think Mane will have like 200 plus percent effective ownership. So he he's not a differential, I think. You just spoiled my one of my differential picks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's... I think Salah is the differential. Right, so that's conclusive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. either one will do fine. Just <laughs> go for it. Okay, we've got a long pod here now. So we're just going to go... Sorry if we haven't answered all your questions, guys. We'll 
keep sending them in. We will try to answer them every week. But we've got some questions just for Andy. So we've got Bitter and Stout at Mike underscore uh, Jeski does some great gifts on Twitter. Check out them every week. Do you use stats, eye tests or a combination? If you use stats, which website do you use? And a couple of other questions here from Kaza at FPL underscore Kaza and Andrew Ferguson, who is on the Fancy Football Hub podcast with yourself at Fergie222. He's saying, what kind of resources did Andy use last year to help him achieve his amazing rank? So, Andy, what is it? Well, I think last season... In particular, I use more stats than ever have before, and I use the combination of um, the fancy football hub stats and uh, understat for you know both teams and players. Uh, I think you obviously need the eye test. I remember that that incident this year, this season when when Jesus should have passed to uh, KDB that would never appear on a stat, even though it was like you know literally an open goal six yards out. So you know you definitely need to be watching the games as well as many as you can or certainly the highlights yeah. if you can't watch the full games but stats can kind of it's the, actually the first thing I log into when I when I log into the site is is looking at how my players did you know should they be dropping off in form or is there something we're not seeing and actually I don't know about you guys but you can't watch every single every single game so yeah. you know we tend to watch the bigger teams or the teams we support or follow and therefore, you're probably not watching, you know, something like uh, Southampton versus uh, West Ham or something. You just, it's just not on your radar. You might watch the highlights of match of the day, but uh, I think it's just impossible to watch every minute of every game unless it is your full-time uh, career. Now, one thing I think uh, we mentioned earlier, how, how this game is changing and, and therefore you have to adapt. I think we have to be looking for the remainder of this season and next season at... Uh, making transfers more quickly and managing our teams more more efficiently from that perspective uh, you know you should always be looking kind of four games at four games out in terms of transfers and planners and i think i think it is harder you know i got very frustrated a few weeks ago where i thought i was getting some good scores but then i was looking at my team and we were kind of had most of the template and most people had the most cap, most popular captaincy pick and my rank wasn't shifting or it was moving up or down by four or five thousand so i think that's something wary of for the, the tail end of the season is that there are you know it's very hard to move up within ranks without uh without any significant differentials i think the captaincy differential is certainly something i used last year as i mentioned uh, both with uh, the triple captain and also with um, captaining Salah against Bournemouth. But I think that is where people can start if they're looking to move up in their mini leagues or even just overall rank. You can start looking at um, captaincy differentials within the template team that, that should get you some decent. Yeah, that's, that's a question I was going to ask. Can you have a template team and then just go against the, the captain odds each, each time? Yeah, you, it's definitely scary when you see someone like Vardy with a huge effective ownership one week and, you know, a nice fixture. But we've seen a lot of manager changes. Therefore, there's going to be certain teams setting up differently. You know, a few, maybe six weeks ago, you might have thought Vardy against Arsenal was a nailed on captain now. Not so sure. You know, it's that that sort of thing. But it's tricky because if you on your kind of KDB KDB's recent form if you captained him last week and then he played in that defensive role it's just there's some tricky ones there um, that you might want to stay away from but things like Sterling for example you know that if he's going to he usually starts or he's just on the bench and he usually starts most home, most most uh, Premier League games so you know that would be a nice differential not many people have him 
if people have Vardy and Sterling, typically people veer towards Vardy. So, you know, it's those sort of um, decisions that, that can really make you jump up the rank. But yeah, I don't know about you guys, but just sitting there and thinking you've got a good score and you're going to move, start see a decent green arrow and then you only move up 5,000 <laughs> places. It's quite frustrating. Yeah, 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 it can be. Yeah, all interesting stuff. Kind of does make me want to captain Sterling a little bit more this week over Rashford. Okay, I think that is it for the questions for, for this week. Apologies again if we didn't get to your questions. I've just been got a lot of other stuff to chat about. Uh, we're going to go for the Iceman's Piss Break now, so we will be right back. Now, welcome back from the piss break. Let's move on to partner chat. Mikkel, Tokvam's algorithm. So this week it is suggesting with the two free transfers that I've got, the best double that Mikkel can find for me, and that is neglecting Mane in for a city asset for a couple of weeks due to poor timing, would be Pookie to Morpe and Aurea to VVD. He said the best single transfer available is Pookie to Morpe. Um... It's not what I'm going to do, but yeah, it does say the transfer algorithm is saying that. So we'll find out next week whether or not the transfer algorithm beats me or not for this week's transfer. So if you want to know more about that, it's patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. We're also partnered with Fancy Football Hub where Andy Green is also a member and a contributor there. So we have an exclusive sign-up offer of Surgery 10. If you go to Fancy Football Hub, you can sign up there for 10% off. Andy is also doing some great articles on there. So if you want to check that out. And we are partnered with FPL Doodles, who didn't do a doodle for me last week, probably because he was busy at Christmas, but at FPL Doodles on Twitter. Right, so trapped-ins, transfers and captains. Going to come to you first, Andy. What are your thoughts for this week? What are you doing this week? Well, it all really rests on tomorrow's game to see whether Pep starts with Jesus or Aguero. Obviously, it's a very favourable fixture. One of the fixtures I brought Aguero in for, a very short term against Villa. Uh, So if you... If he plays Jesus for sort of 80, 90 minutes, then I'll be captaining Aguero. And if Aguero plays sort of 60, 70 minutes, I'll probably be transferring him out for uh, Calvert-Lewin. Uh, and I haven't thought about the captaincy if that if that scenario plays out. Uh, I'm actually quite tempted by Manny against Ori. Uh, you know, that looks like quite a favourable matchup on that left-hand side for Manny, but I really have not. Other than that, you know, I need to wait and see what happens tomorrow against uh, for the City-Man United game. Okay, and Stefan? Yeah, I already did my transfer. I had two free transfers available and, available, and I did Pope to Ryan. You I suspect Pope can drop down in price, so I didn't want to get priced out. And if Ryan is injured, so be it. From all the transfer, I will only use that if I run into injury trouble, because I have both Martial and Rashford. One of them are going to go next week when they face Liverpool, I think. So I want to save my two free transfers for that. Captains are either... Rashford or Martial. At this point, it's on Rashford. Okay. 
My team, I have got Pookie and he has got an injury, so I think I'm going to be moving him out for Jimenez this week. I've set myself a little plan to bring in the Liverpool assets. So next week it will be Rashford to Dominic Cabot-Lewin and then I'll upgrade Sterling to Mane and either Sionu, Lundström or Aurier will go up to TAA. That is the plan at the moment. I could even do a while, uh, a minus four and bring in Fabianski that week, but I'm not sure. It, but it could all change within the next week but that is my plan but my uh, transfer for this week uh, will be Pookie to Jimenez I will be doing that tonight because I think Jimenez will go up and I am on Captain Sterling but uh, kind of tempted by the Rashford captain as well not quite sure so before we leave you let's go through the FPL Surgery Patreon League for the month of December and the winner is Jez Wise so Jez if you could send me over your address and I will send a prize to you I've still got a prize to send out to the prize draw winners for the month before I think it was Flapjack one uh, who I've got to send he's the last one I've got to send uh, but if we look at the uh, league for December in third place was Jeremy Head second place was Gabriel Castellanos first place was Jez Wise Stefan how did I say yeah. did I say Castellanos okay I would have said Castellanos oh, okay. <laughs> but I have no clue I, I oh. don't speak Spanish oh, that well fair enough. Yeah. I'll take the publicly again in 10th place we have Tony Atwood in 9th place Jack Hewitt, 8th place, Halstein Isterberg, 7th place, John Hartopy, 6th place, Karthik Mahendra, and in 5th place, place, Luko Truman, 4th place, Christina Högseth, 3rd place, Luke Burgess, Mike Butcher is 2nd and still leading the league, and 6th overall is Theodor Ekbakke, the 2-year-old. The two-year-old still, is, is still, still doing winning. good. I think yeah. what, what I'm actually going to do, because we read this off every week and it takes up a portion of the podcast, I'm going to ask the people in the top 10, if you listen to this podcast and you hear your name shouted out, if I get all 10 message me or tweet me, then I will keep this feature in and you will still be named in the top 10. If not, I'm going to I'm gonna bring it down to the top three. So let's see what happens. Okay. Right, so uh, time for guest top three picks this week and top three differentials. So Andy, let's hear who are your top three players and who are your top three differentials this week. Okay, so three top uh, differentials for this week. I would be looking at Sterling. I think he's somewhat of a differential this week. A lot of people have moved away from him uh, for the Liverpool mids. Aguero, uh, I've already caveated that by saying if he starts tomorrow's game versus United, I will be removing him from the differential pick and removing him from my team. And uh, over the next few weeks, I do like Calvert-Lewin as a, as a nice differential, although as I say, he probably won't be a differential come, come the next three or four weeks. My top picks would be uh, certainly City Assets. Uh, you know, against Villa, Villa's defence. So I think my top picks for the week would be uh, Aguero, De Bruyne, and Sterling. All eggs in one basket. Yeah, fair and enough. I think they're really gonna have a great game against Villa, and I can see some double-digit holes from all of them if they all start. That is. Uh, so yeah, I think if you're looking for uh, a captaincy pick th- this week, I think uh, a City asset. Uh, if you're pretty sure of the minutes, is is probably the one that's going to get you a nice leap up the rank, uh, given that most people will probably be on Vardy, assuming he's fit. 
Yeah, that's where my sterling captaincy is going to boost me up the ranks. Thank you very much. Right, so we're going to move on to the feedback box. So we had uh, a feedback here from FPL Mediocracy from our Slack. It said, superb pod again. I'm now inspired to build a war chest to finance a Salah Mane pool attack for double game week 24. So he's starting with Pulisic to Tiore. So yeah, agree with that, Mediocrity. Thank you for that feedback. So a word from our Patreons now. So we've got Mad Hatters. Alexa's Afterthoughts so I will play that now Alexa Happy New Year got any resolutions? Happy New Year my resolution above all else is to try and be kinder to you Matata there'll be no more comparing your appearance to that of a sexually frustrated disease ridden blobfish you have my word thanks this game week has seen Vardy cursing mixed with vice rejoicing or sorrow Arteta and Moyes get off to good starts against a lacklustre United, and the worst team in football right now, Bournemouth. Also, as I'm being kind to Mad Hatter, I won't say, until they've thumped a piss poor Luton 4-0. My capo pick for the next week is Rashford. That's all from me. Happy New Year everyone, and I hope 2020 is prosperous for you Mad Hatter. I also hope you have a genital walk free year, this time around. Up the pod. Oh, that's sweet. Up the goddamn pod. Up the pod. So I just want to take this moment to thank Andy for coming on. Appreciate all your thoughts. Andy, where can people find you via Twitter? At FPL Fancy Guide on Twitter. Thank you very much for coming on. You've been great. Stefan, any final, any last thoughts? Ah, Captain the Differential. Captain a differential, yeah. Don't go for the obvious, which you will go for. So if you <laughs> if you liked what you heard today and would like to support the podcast, please do so at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery podcast lead. The code is CCCJK2. You didn't mention that, by the way, Stefan. Check out our website at fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, and Twitter at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes and please remember, remember to rate the podcast and email me info at fplsurgery.com happy new year to everyone and i hope your arrows are green and up the pod up the pod see you andy Andy. up the pod That's the new <laughs> break. That-